And uh, it's time for us to discuss some of these major headlines and simple keywords. And Adam joining us on the line again. Morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. Have you heard of the term quiet quitting? It is brand new to me, so I thought I might as well ask you. I haven't, but <laughs> I think it's open to a bit of misinterpretation listening to your opening. <laughs> I know, right? I thought it meant yeah. to not necessarily let your coworkers know and kind of drop a major bomb and leave. But no, it's none of that. Right. It's to keep yeah. your job, but do bare minimum work. Thoughts? Right. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. <laughs> just walking out or just not working at all while staying right. in the office. Right. I mean, I guess, I guess you still have to make ends meet and we're kind of steering away from that great resignation narrative. But I don't know how I feel as a co-worker of someone who is kind of hmm. just half showing up to work. Wouldn't right. that have its ripple effects too? Anyway. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd ask you. One. I know, right? Uh, no judgment I don't know here. How I, no, I don't know how I feel uh, about that. I don't. Yeah, as I said, I don't know what's worse, but uh, I'd rather someone leave <laughs> a company if they're not going to be working anyway, because that that negatively affects uh, your colleagues and everyone yeah. around you. If you're not being a team player, so if you don't want to be a team player, then I guess it's best that uh, you don't stay there i guess you know not to yeah. dwell on this topic too long but I, I think it just ties into our question unboxing uh segment so beautifully today um there is apparently some positive takeaways of work gossip apparently and so i was thinking mm. if sometimes you have a common enemy like a colleague who is half showing up to work mm. couldn't that also boost morale <laughs> it could be well you know what people are like i mean you have to have a public enemy number one in yes. order to kind of spur yes. this Commodity and uh, uh, yeah, a bit of teamwork and you know, us humans, we're all we're a particular, we're a peculiar species, aren't we? All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, let's jump into all these stories that affect the peculiar species. Uh, starting with, of course, the state of the economy. Uh, we do have some updates coming from the BOK. This is our first keyword of the day. Rate hike. I can't decide if that was a good segue or not. Okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> the Bank of Korea has raised its key interest rate by a quarter percentage point to 2.5%. This was a widely expected move that is aimed at, of course, taming inflation, but it is a fourth consecutive rate hike nonetheless. That's right. Uh, it's the, uh, the latest increase comes as the BOK raised the key rate by half a percentage point last month for the first time. There was kind of a mixed... Uh, predictions on whether there would be another big step move or if uh, there will be small increments. I think there was more uh, predictions that uh, the interest rates would be raised by smaller increments rather than that half a percentage uh, point rise. Mm -hmm. Now, the government has been pursuing a tighter monetary policy, of course, since August last year amid growing global inflationary pressure, of which it still hasn't cooled down. Uh, Governor Lee Chang-yong says cooling prices would remain the BOK's priority, so that could mean that there are more interest rate hikes uh, in the pipeline. He hints that the key rates could reach 2.75 or even 3% by the year's end. And he told reporters that as long as the growth rate stays relatively sound compared with other countries, making sure inflation is under control first would be helpful for everyone in the medium to long term. Uh, the BOK also raised this year's inflation forecast to 5.2%. That's up from 4.5%, which be, would be the fastest in almost 
a quarter of a century. Now, uh, the central bank also cut its 2022 economic growth forecast to 2.6%. That's down from 2.7%, and it predicted growth to slow further to 2.1% in 2023. Uh, the VOK began raising interest rates before most central banks uh, in the region, and investors are seeking clues about how high rates may go up as policymakers mm. try to balance the need to uh, cool inflation, but of course, support slowing growth, uh, mm. raising interest rates to pose a risk to economic growth. So again, the BOK has a bit of a balancing act to conduct there. All right, uh, let's move on to our second keyword of the day. Reviving small businesses. So President Yoon has vowed to help grow small businesses and the self-employed through short to long-term plans, some subsidies, some help, some for conferences, for example. Tell us the details. Right. So he was speaking during an emergency economic meeting at a traditional market, interestingly, mm-hmm. where he visited to talk to vendors as well. And uh, he said the short to long-term plans would focus on recovery from the pandemic and fostering entrepreneurship. Uh, So that's probably uh, uh, alluding to the fact that he wants these SMEs and small businesses to expand to larger ones. And you noted that small businesses and the self-employed are suffering from a decline in sales and an increase in debt, mostly caused by the pandemic. And he said that in the short term, he will help their debt adjustment and swift revival through an emergency response plan. Mm. Uh, in the mid to long term, he vowed to create conditions for them to grow into entrepreneurial small business owners with competitiveness. And he said it was his first time visiting a market, uh, the market, and he said he was impressed by its liveliness in difficult circumstances. Uh, He said he was particularly impressed by the way merchants were trying to make the most of online technologies. Mm. These traditional markets, uh, they still do have their kind of rustic uh, atmosphere, but they also are incorporating a lot of uh, updated tech. Uh, Mm. The government also announced plans to help SMEs and the self-employed as well. It says it will subsidize costs for shutting down businesses and provide psychological treatment and legal advice for those in need. And it's also vowing to spend 58 trillion won to help them. The government says it will improve the digital infrastructure to ensure owners keep up with the fast-changing society and trends. In addition, uh, small businesses will now be able to receive the same benefits even if their business grows in size. So mm-hmm. it used to be the case that these businesses would uh, have their benefits adjusted according to the number of employees that they have. Uh, but the UN administration is trying to scrap that policy. All right, let's turn our attention to the upcoming uh, former Japanese Prime Minister's funeral. This is our third keyword of the day. Abe funeral. So Prime Minister Handok will reportedly attend a state funeral of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe late next month, but he says the issue of Japan's forced labor of Koreans will not be mentioned during the trip, at least by him, that is. That's right. So Han, uh, as well as the National Assembly Deputy right. Speaker Tong, uh, Tong Jin-sok, will visit Japan to attend the funeral on September 27th. And Han hinted at attending Abe's funeral during a meeting with reporters, but warned against reading too much into his visit to Japan about historical disputes between Seoul and Tokyo. And he was asked whether he would visit Tokyo with solutions to a dispute over the Korean Supreme Court's ruling that ordered Japanese firms to compensate Korean victims of forced labor. 
Uh, Han replied it would be uh, not in the stage of resolving the matter during the visit. So basically not mentioning it during uh, that reported visit. And he also said the issue should be resolved from the ground up, suggesting any solution to that issue would take some time. Uh, the Prime Minister also stressed that a consensus should first be established domestically before discussing the matter with mm. Tokyo. He said this should be done through close coordination within the government, between officials, as well as with the victims and the public as well. Uh, but director-level talks will be taking place in Tokyo today between Korean and Japanese officials to discuss uh, pending issues. There aren't really any details onto, into which uh, details those are. It will be attended by the Foreign Ministry's Director General for Asia-Pacific Affairs, Isangyeol, and his Japanese counterpart, Takahiro Funakoshi. Mm. And with that, let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Nuclear plant deal. So Korea has reportedly signed a 3 trillion won deal to build Egypt's first nuclear power plant. It seems that it's another first for South Korea. Run us through the details. Right. So Korea Hydro and Nuclear Power signed a contract with Russian nuclear technology company ASE. Now, the detail requires... Uh, the deal, rather, requires Korea to provide certain materials and equipment and construct the turbine building of the Eldabar nuclear power plant. Now, the project is to build four 1,200-megawatt nuclear power plants in Eldabar, which is uh, located about 130 kilometers northwest of Cairo. Uh, a presidential aide said there were many difficulties, actually, in the process, mainly due to sanctions against Russia for its invasion um, of Ukraine. The aide said, though, that the United States was consulted in advance about the deal and that the technologies being supplied by Seoul for the projects would not clash with the international sanctions against Russia. A lot of Western countries are kind of uh, steering away from doing any deals right. with Russia, uh, but Korea is leading more towards Russia and uh, China as well, adversaries of the US in these kind of overseas nuclear power plant projects. Mm. Uh, and this is actually the first time in 13 years uh, that Korea has commissioned, uh, to, has been commissioned rather, to be built, to build an overseas nuclear plant. Now, mm. it also provides a boost as well to the UN administration's economic policy of nuclear power plant exports. The UN administration is kind of trying to be, uh, uh, trying to back away from the Moon administration's nuclear phase-out policy by building more nuclear power plants mm. and building them overseas as well. Uh, the last one was actually a contract to build four units of the Barakar nuclear power plants in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, the first unit in Egypt is scheduled for commercial operation in 2028. All right. And finally, let's take a look at the COVID-19 situation in the country. This is our last keyword of the day. COVID surge. So a recent WHO report shows that South Korea posted the world's second largest number of new COVID-19 infections last week. It's worth taking a look at the details of the report. What were they? Right. So we are in the midst of kind of a, a down a, uh, or a downward trend of infections at the moment. Many experts are saying that uh, we have passed the peak of the recent wave, but the numbers are still quite high. And the weekly report by the WHO states that Korea recorded just over 800 and 84,000 new infections between August 15th and the 21st. 
That's up by 2% from the week before. Japan tops the list with some 1.5 million new cases. The US ranked third with more than 612,000. But the US actually posted the highest number of deaths with over 2,700 reported during the same period. And it was followed by Japan, Brazil and Italy. But it seems cases and deaths are starting to subside around the world. The WHO said the numbers of new infections um, in the past uh, week uh, dropped by 9% on week. So overall, we are seeing a decline. Mm. Uh, the number of new deaths fell by 15%. Uh, but the death toll in Korea uh, seems to be going up. The new deaths reaching triple digits, actually, for the first time in nearly four months. Uh, health officials, uh, we mentioned this before, but say critically ill patients and deaths are likely to rise for the next few weeks. So that's after the peak has pass in terms of uh, infections mm. um so we'll have to keep our eyes on how prolonged that will be mm. adam you've been keeping tabs on the COVID situation rather in a detailed manner for weeks mm-hmm. and months on end do you think yeah. the fact that maybe korea and japan countries like these had the you know the stringent face mask rules and social distancing rules do you yeah. think that accounts to maybe the sort of delayed resurgences? Could that be one of the angles to take a look at relative to perhaps, I don't know, parts of Europe, parts of North America? That's right. I mean, that was part of the uh, analysis. I mean, uh, the Moon administration was trying to be a bit quick in trying to right. uh, deal with the pandemic. Um, and it was praised in the initial stages. Of but of course, uh, the situation kind of reversed. Right. Um but, uh, yeah, it's a, that's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> there are many reasons as to sure. uh, what, and how and uh, the, these uh, infection trends come about in both countries. But, um, mm. yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, Japan, for example, is still reporting high number of cases and mm. uh, there's still cross-border restrictions between Korea and Japan. That's true. Uh, but although they are set to be alleviated soon, we'll have to see and how that plays out. But, um, mm. yeah, Korea... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> I know you're not an expert. I just I knew I knew that you've you of of all our reporters and experts have yeah. been keeping the closest tab. So I thought if you might have an answer, then we might have an angle. But I mean, these are all uh, angles to consider. Was my point? I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think we're necessarily struck by fear with these uh, daily reports of COVID nineteen anymore. Um, in that sense, yeah. I think we're dealing with it better. But like you said. This is just the latest wave. There were still warnings of another wave yeah. potentially in the colder months ahead. Yeah, the reason well, the reason why I'm being a bit careful is because yeah. yes, as you say, it's not it's not the last wave that mm. we're going that we're going to be experiencing in the country. Uh, experts are predicting another one in the colder seasons. Mm. So uh, we'll have to see what numbers come out during that time. Uh, and uh, many experts are saying it's going to be a lot more than the peak that we've seen, especially during the ease social distancing measures as well. Mm. So um, we'll have to see what kind of countermeasures the Korean government comes up with if that resurgence does come uh, and to what scale it comes uh, during the fall and winter months. Thank you very much, Adam, for a week's worth of coverage. Have a safe but fun weekend. I'll see you next week. (laughs) You too. See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.